Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I'm going to continue. I'm going to talk about uh, found, you know, what it means. Uh, you know, there's something within, just something deep-rooted within our faith, within our relationship with God that just compels and inspires us to, to reach mankind. There's a certain part of, just, of that relationship just it gets inferred onto us. A certain amount of his heart becomes our heart and, and, the, and the cause for mankind to introduce them to God, to bring the good news and, and, and Christ and his salvation is, is just so much upon the inside of us. And uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge. You know, it's something that, that Every one of us, sort of individually, we, we, we take it upon ourselves and we, when we give our life to, to God and we just enter into that relationship. It's something that, that every one of us sort of recognizes as a challenge, but it's, it's not a challenge that we face alone. It's not a challenge that we face as individuals. It's actually one that we face as the kind of the body, as, as the church, together, uh, all of us. You know, there's, there's something so true that when they say that, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. You know, and the church is so much greater than the sum of its parts. It is not just a collective of individuals. It's a community of believers. It is, it is a united body. And so, you know, whereas individually, uh, you know, we can see sort of the, the challenge upon us and, and it can be overwhelming. When we, when we come together, when we stand together, and we worship together, when we join and knit our hearts together... It is something that is, that is so much more, it feels at home. It is at home in the house that the, the, the challenge, the, the uh, adventure to see the lost returned to Christ, to see them redeemed is something that together as a, as a, as a church, as a family, as a community of believers, we own that. Amen? We own it. And there's something so cool because as a church, as, as a body, you know, this... Uh, we are all sort of from different places, different times, different ages and stages. And, and that is so much the, the beauty of church. It's, it's like sort of a, it's, it's a rich tapestry. It's, it's, it's got so many threads, so many uh, things going on and, and so many faces that can be presented. And, and in doing that, it means that the church is called and capable of reaching the whole world, reaching the generations, reaching the, the many cultures, being diverse because there is a diversity in each and every one of us. And, and, that, and that calling that is upon each of our lives is not, is not restricted to a particular people group. It is, not, it is not limited. It is not repressed such that we can only reach those that are like us because we come from a greater body. We come from a body that, that is so diverse and we carry that diversity, that diversity uh, with us into, into the world. And I remember, I was thinking about this, just my first sort of realization about this, my first sort of experience where I knew this to be true and uh, when I was sort of growing up, some part, I, I couldn't tell you the day or, or even how old I was, but at some point during my primary school experience, me and another little boy called Mark, who were in the same class, we just decided we were going to be best friends. 
We just made that decision. We didn't sign any papers. We didn't have a handshake or anything like that. It was just decided we're not going to be best friends. And we would go and run to each other's house. We'd walk to school, walk home from school. And there was a rotating cast of other people who would join us. But we would always do it together. There was, we were best friends. And, and we were best friends through primary school into secondary school. We both went to university in Glasgow. We lived together. There was so much of our lives. He was the best man at my wedding even. You know, there was so much of our lives was sort of entwined with one another. And, and when you do that, I'm sure everyone's sort of got someone that they can uh, remember that, that they grew up with. Maybe not through all of those stages, but certainly some of them. You know, you're, you become an extended member of each other's family. Right? You, you know, I, I knew his mum and dad really well. Although I knew their name was Anne and Dennis, I would only ever call them Mr. and Mrs. Doherty. Uh, but, but, and he would know my parents would only call them Mr. and Mrs. Hamilton. Uh, probably wouldn't even... We wouldn't want to... It seemed totally inappropriate that we would call them anything other than that. Uh, we weren't quite calling each other's mum and dad's mum and dad, but we weren't far off, you know. It was, we, were, we were really extended members of each other's families. He knew my, he knew my brothers, I knew his sister. We, we knew each other really well, and, and that carried all the way through. And I, I remember I, got, I, I really gave my life, I committed my life to God uh, part, halfway through university. Uh, I'd grown up in church, but, but in my late teens, early 20s, I, I really just sort of thought I maybe knew better. It turned out I didn't. And, uh, and I really just returned to God and, and, and felt just such a sense of uh, his restoration in my life. And I was sitting around in the, the flat that... Uh, me and Mark shared one night, and uh, his mum, uh, who's just the most loveliest person I ever met, she was just so, such, a, such a beautiful presence, such a lovely person, just nothing would be enough, uh, would be too much for her to do for you, and just, just a tremendously just kind and, and gentle person, and uh, she needed to be, and I don't know whether it was she needed to be in Glasgow the next day early, or for some reason, but she was just going to, for convenience sake, stay over in our flat. And, I, you know, I, I remember sitting down and chatting with her, and uh, Mark was out, and so it was just the two of us. I was just chatting to her, and you know, I chatted to her many times over the years, and this, but this was different, because I was probably a little bit older, and also just this, this really dramatic change had taken place in my life, where, where I just had really found God for myself, and we're just chatting away, and I'm a little bit slow on the uptake, so we're just chatting away, and, and we start kind of discussing just my faith, and, and how that sort of really changed, changed me, and I'm, and I'm sort of, at the, mo- at the beginning, I'm just sort of fielding questions, just as if it's like, just sort of, an interest that I have, or like, you know, maybe I've taken up a hobby or something like that, but I'm, I'm sort of talking about it, and I begin to realize, as I say, I'm slow on the uptake, I began to realize after a while that the questions that I'm being asking, asked are, are not just sort of polite questions, but they're questions that have kind of a depth and a meaning attached to them. You know, I, I began to recognize that, that although I'd never known her to be, uh, have any sort of church background, that, that actually she did from her youth, and, and that, that, that actually there was so much of which her life was, she had a faith, but it was, it was a bit vague and uh, undefined, but it was there nonetheless. It was, there were kernels, there were seeds of truth that were planted in her life. And, and she talked, and she even talked about her children and, and how she hoped that they would find similar faith. And I, I just remember just, it was a wonderful experience, but completely surreal. It was totally surreal, because this was this was my best friend's mum. This was a, a maternal figure almost in my life. And, and I go, I transition from this place of, you know, uh, sort of deference, of like sort of looking up to this person. And, 
And then in the context of the conversation that we're having, I start sort of transitioning into, without really even realizing, I'm now ministering, I'm now prophesying, I'm now talking words of life, I'm talking words of faith, I'm, I'm directing and guiding and leading in a sense. And, and it, we, wow. it was a really bizarre and yet totally transformative experience because what it really showed me was that there are boundaries that we put up in our own minds and our own lives that say what we can and what we can't do. But the reality of this is the message that we carry just traverses all of those boundaries. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter who you are. The message that we carry traverses the lot. It bridges the gap because it is something that speaks into the very heart and soul of mankind. Amen. And and. And so when you share that faith, it's, it, it just goes above and it goes beyond and it penetrates through any of those boundaries. And yet the reality is this, that a lot of the time, a lot of the time we find ourselves in a sense suppressed by what we perceive as the appropriate etiquette. But what, what we, we, the social norms that, that govern our interactions, there are there are people that you would speak to on, on a certain level, on a certain depth of, uh, of, of meaning and, and, and purpose. And, and, and there are these, these social norms, these things that sort of restrain us so often in our lives where we would hold back, like almost as if they were rigid laws, rigid laws that, that, that govern our interactions. And Christ, when he was speaking, just put it in really... Uh, just uh, illustrated this point really well. He said uh, in John 4, 34 to 35, he said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. And the, the funny thing about this verse is the, the idea that there would be a saying that is, it's still four months to harvest. It's not very catchy. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Maybe it sounds better in Hebrew, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing, a funny saying to be a saying. But the reason it was kind of a saying was because harvest had a date at which it would start. You know, it'd be like April 16th. That's when harvest starts. It, was, it started on a specific date. It was governed by laws or rules or, or, or common understanding. There was a time at which harvest began. And what Jesus is saying is, yeah, it might still be four months till that date, but have a look in your field. Because in your field, it is ripe. There is a harvest that is ready to be reaped. And if we're just going by what the wording says, if we're just obliging the rules and the laws, then we miss out on that harvest. We miss out on the hearts and the souls of people whose lives have just come into that correct trajectory with God, that, that correct sort of understanding and just are ready to receive. You know, this, this, it's, while we might wait, while we might hold back and say, I'm just waiting for the perfect opportunity. I'm just waiting for the perfect time. I'm waiting for the right person to come along and minister this. You know who doesn't wait? You know who doesn't wait in the fields? It might still be four months till the harvest. But the insects, the little animals, the birds, they don't wait. The devourer doesn't wait. All of those niggles, all of those doubts, they don't wait. And so while you might see 
a ripe field and wait, it goes, it turns, it becomes rotten, it passes us by. See, God, as Jesus is saying in that moment, what he was saying was so profound because what he was saying was, you know what? Stop looking at the words and start reading the room. Stop looking at the words. Stop obliging the laws and rules that govern us, that, 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 that sort of dictate how our interactions take place. Read the room. Look at the field. If it's ripe, then step into it. Step into it because it is the field that matters. It is the field that matters above all else. And it's, and it's not what we think we know. It's not what we've experienced. It's not what's worked in the past. What's worked in the past worked in the past. This is now. This is today. The world has spun. It has changed. A new word. A new action. A new stepping out is required to see this world, to see this field reaped, this harvest reaped. We take our cue from the field. We take our cue... And, and if it is ready, then we reap it. We harvest it. And anything that says otherwise is just noise. It's just distraction. It is not from God. It is from the enemy. It is from the devourer who wants us to wait, who wants us to stand back. But the field is ready. The field is ready. And you know, sometimes the field still needs tended to. Sometimes it is ready. We need, to, we need to be in the field to see. You need to be in the field in order to know whether it's ready. To know if a person's life is just at that place where they are ready to receive, to, to move, to minister, to prophesy, to step out. And then there's times to tend. There's times to, to just keep on planting that word, to keep on planting it, to keep on speaking those words of life, to keep on offering prayer, to keep on building that person up, to tend the field. But you will never, ever know if you are not in the field in the first place. You've got to be in the field. If we're going to take our cue from the field, we need to be there in the first place. And yet, the field, the world... It's sometimes a place we feel uncomfortable, feel a little out of place. Who knows what it was like when, when you gave your life to God and how he just sort of, he over really a small period of time just unburdened you. He just took away all of the, the doubt and the, and, and the heaviness and the despair. He just he lifted it off of you. All of the mistakes, all of the regrets are lifted off of you such that you are not burdened any longer. And you find yourself like you're walking on sunbeams. You know, it's, it's, it's a different interaction. It's a different life that we live. And yet there are times we reflect, if only for a moment, upon who we used to be. And it, although we remember who we used to be, it can be really hard to re- relate to who we used to be. Yeah. It can be really hard to appreciate who that person was and what motivated and where they... Because the transformation is so dramatic. Yeah. It's so complete and it's so profound. So quickly, we don't recognize our old self. And I think sometimes we worry what our old self would say if we went and spoke to them. We worry, we, we, we don't feel safe around that old person. We don't feel safe around the old self. And that's why we, we've left it behind. We have left the old person behind. 
Well, what I challenge, I guess my challenge here today is when we left, when we moved on from the old person that we used to be, what else did we move on from? What else did we leave behind? Did we leave behind? Who else did we leave behind? Did we, in our eagerness, in our haste to move on, did we actually vacate the field? Did we actually leave at the same time? And I think the acid test, the the real sort of, the point at which you know at which you're, heart has sort of moved on from the field where it's no longer in the field it's no longer a heart for the world any longer it's when I thought that when uh, Heidi was up here and she 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 was uh taken over and leading she she ministered a really beautiful message about about putting our just just of salvation of of people's souls and and you know what if when if when you heard that if when it hit you you just heard words and you didn't see faces if you just interpreted it as sort of almost rhetoric and you didn't see the faces you didn't engage with the souls and the lives then something in your heart has vacated the field something in your heart and it's so easy to do it's so easy to move on that that we allow these we allow the idea of salvation to become almost theoretical Mm. to become arbitrary it's it's something we're supposed to do not Something we're supposed to do for these people. The people, the hearts, the field, the harvest are the faces in our mind. When we pray and sing about salvation, are there faces that pop out at us? We, you know, when we gave our lives to God, you know, we, we benefited so greatly from this security. There's such a security we find in God and such a security we find within the church. Within each other, there's, there's something so, there's such a freedom in the house. Uh, you know, we all recognize and can remember the, the world and the, all of the pushing and the pulling and the, and, and, and the grabbing and the biting and, and how there was a sense that we had to strive. Yeah. We had to, in a sense, almost put on the pretense, you know, to be the person we're expected yeah, to be. Right. And yet when you're in the house, that, there's a freedom in that. You can be authentic, you can be genuine. You are accepted. There's such a freedom in it. There's such a safety in it that we are safe in this environment. We are safe within the body. We are safe within the community. And, and so often we look out there and it's just not the same and it just doesn't seem safe. Not safe in the same way. And so we take a step back from the field. We step out of the field. I have a little analogy for you here, but it's, it's a little bit back to front, so you're just going to have to go with me here. Uh, during the week, uh, I think it was on Monday, uh, we, were trying to, we were trying to get the kids out to school. We've got four kids, uh, and we were trying to get them out to school. And obviously there's a time limit on that, because you either get them to school on time or you don't. And uh, we were running the risk of don't. Uh, <laughs> and... My littlest uh, child, uh, Alice, who is one years old, figured this was a really good time to start emptying boxes and to start pulling things apart and, and, and splaying them out. Just, just, she is a little bit like a tornado at times. Uh, I say at times, that might, under, that might give you the wrong impression. All of the time is probably a little bit closer to it. And she's just, she's pulling stuff out and like, oh, let's have a look in here. A, a box of chewing gum. 
you know, everything, just everything's being pulled out. And, you know, when you're trying to get out, I don't know if you've got kids, but if you're trying to get kids uh, out to school and you start seeing this, you start having to clean up this stuff and you're not doing, and it's a bit like swimming against the current. You know, you just find yourself going backwards and that's the door and I seem to be getting further and further away from it. And so in, in sort of this uh, moment of incredible frustration, I exclaimed, is nothing safe? In this house. There's nothing safe in this house. And my darling Lily, who's sitting right there, my darling Lily piped up and said, I know something that is. Now, I'm going to make a bit of a confession here. When she said that, I, I said to her, what? But what I knew on the inside was that whatever she said, I was going to disagree with it. I was going to, I had determined within myself that I would not be proven wrong, that my exclamation was correct, and whatever Lily said, I was going to disagree with it because I was frustrated. Now, I know that makes me a terrible person. They say that children make you crazy. That's the crazy. That's the crazy. She's a darling six-year-old girl. Why would I want to disagree with her? But, but I was very frustrated at that moment. And so I challenged her, tell me, tell me what it is then, Lily. And Lily just, almost, there must have been like almost harps playing in the background. Just, it, was, it was a very angelic moment. She, she looked at me and, and with all sweetness just said, your children are safe. <laughs> Honestly. And, and it was like, Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. You win that one. And like I just melted. It was like, oh my goodness. Let me let me sit at your sit at the, your your throne for a while and let me listen to you. Oh wise one. It was like it was like you are so wise. You are sage like with your with, with your wisdom. Like I was I couldn't believe it. I was I, I was outplayed and uh, I was completely wrong and uh, there was something so tremendously profound about it. You know, we look around and, and it seems so safe. Is nothing safe? There is chaos. There is catastrophe. There is confusion. Is there nothing safe? Is there nothing safe in the world? Your children are safe. His children are safe. His children are safe. It does not matter what is going around here and going around there. His children are safe. Amen? His children are safe. And you know, Jesus prophesied this. He prophesied this into his disciples. He says in John 17 verse 15, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. You protect them from the evil one. He wasn't asking them to be removed from the world. The world was hostile. He had experienced its hostility. But he wanted them to remain. He wanted them to be there. Not that they should be free from danger, but preserved from it. Preserved from it. That their lives would testify to the power of salvation. They would testify that it's not, salvation is not just a passage to eternity with God. It is that, but it is not just that. Rather than, rather it's, it's, it's a revelation or a revolution of our lives here on earth and everything that springs from it. it is, our salvation is not something that is internalized and unapproachable. That we keep to ourselves. It is so much more expansive 
and forthcoming and encompassing. It is something that does not just stick with us, but is something that is spread, that is sold into the world. And although we are, we are not exempt from attack, we are not exempt from temptation, we are protected from its permanent influence. It has no place where it can root itself in us. In 1 John 4 verse 4, it says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because, you, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I think that's in some ways what frightens us is that the world is so estranged to the truth. So estranged, it, it, it instinctually, it impulsively rejects truth, rejects the truth of God. It does not want to hear it. And so we hold back. But it says that that them that it's talking about, which is overcome, that them, that was, when he's speaking there, he's talking specifically about false teaching, false teaching, but basically the lies and the wickedness that swirls around the world, that does not hold dominion over the message that we carry into the world. It does not speak, it does not, does not have a louder voice because it is overcome. It is brought down. Whatever it might seek to pervert faith, it is a defeated enemy. It is a defeated voice. It is hollow. It is no more than a shadow. A shadow that can be exposed by light. And though, though we are in the world, we are not sort of in pursuit of the objects that those around us are. We are rather glorifying God and serving a generation. That is our place within this world, to serve a generation, to minister deliverance to those who seek it. Amen. To those who seek it and to, to those who need it and those who are ready and those who Christ has prepared. Amen. Can I get someone on the keys? See, the, the Christian ideal is not to be free from work. It's just to have the strength to do it. It's just to have the strength to do it. We're not free from temptation, but we have the power to overcome it. We're not free from persecution, but we are sustained by God throughout it. Not absent from the world, but grace, but the grace to bring healing and restoration that the people of this world need. Not holy lives that are driven from the world and and living parallel to it, but holy lives within it, within the world, to love on it, to love on it, to represent a love that we have realized, that we have recognized that has changed our lives. The safety of God is, it doesn't come through relocation. We don't find a place of isolation where we can attain nirvana. The truly amazing thing is that even in the sight of danger, even in the sight of temptation and sin, we are safe. We are safe. Amen. We are safe. We were lost and now we are found. But our lives are not discontinued. Our lives within this world, at that point where we are found, they're not discontinued. They are just set on a new trajectory. 
they are repurposed, repositioned with a fresh stance that stands up for this world. The witness this world needs, it's not rescue, it's redemption. Because redemption returns. Christ returned. Christ returned. We return. We were dug up in that field. We were dead and buried. And yet we were brought back to life. And we return to that same field. That we might find others. Who need life also. Thank you God. We thank you God. Thank you God for who you are. We thank you that. Jesus, Jesus' life is that demonstration. He walked in foreign lands. He spoke with dangerous people. He ministered a radical message, all to the tune of God's longing. And that longing is repeated in us. We give you glory in this place, God. We thank you that just as Jesus showed his love for you by heading out into the field instead of lingering in the house that we also head out into the field and when we head out into the field when we head out into the world when we do the work that has been placed upon our hearts when we engage with the lives and the souls that surround us there is great celebration when we return to the house We return to the house. And when you return from being out in the field, your life is celebrated. And the lives of those around you are celebrated. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.